Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And we have a great episode for you today. Today, the NFL is continuing to be in full swing. Last week, we had some crazy, crazy games. And this week, there are also many great games in the MLB. Yes, the World Series is over and the season is concluded. But they just announced the award finals. Best pitcher, best hitter, best rookie, best coach. We'll tell you all that and more about the MLB. Also in the NBA, there's not a lot of news, but some big, big news about the draft that we have to tell you. And I have a great story about a man who came from nothing to become so much. And Andrew has a very funny story about the birthday boy today. Let's get started. Andrew, give me the biggest NFL takeaways. Well, yeah, Ryan, this week there were some crazy, crazy games. But none more than the Steelers game. They had an amazing, an amazing win against the Ravens. Yes, that's right. The Ravens looked terrible. Lamar Jackson threw two interceptions and fumbled twice. The Steelers are 8-0 and probably the best team in the league. Now, the Bears had a terrible loss in overtime to the Saints. But the Saints are a great team. Also, some other news from that game soon to come. And it is correct. Crazy. Now, in the Cardinals game, they're starting running back Kenyon Drake, or as we like to call him, Kenyon Flake, got injured in the game. So the backup, Chase Edmonds, took over, and he will have a great week this week, I believe. And the Bills played the Patriots. And the final score did not tell the full story. The Bills were up by a lot. The Patriots came back. They were going up for a game-winning field goal when quarterback Cam Newton fumbles the ball into the Bills, and they win by a field goal. Come on, Cam Newton. You're costing your team your dynasty. And the Browns stink. Ryan, the Baker Mayfield cycle continues. He plays terribly, then he plays amazing. And he just played terribly. We play amazing this week. I do not definitely think so. And also, the Chargers versus the Broncos. Neither teams are that good, but with two young quarterbacks, anything happened and anything did happen. The Broncos quarterback had a game-winning touchdown with, with zeros on the clock to his very young wide receiver. So, the Broncos beat the Chargers. Yeah, that was crazy. Also, the Indianapolis Colts were playing the Lions and the Colts dominated. And again, another huge game this week. The Seahawks versus the 49ers. Last week, we all thought, and probably Seattle would win by a little bit. And you'd be wrong. Seattle dominated. The 49ers on their fifth string running back got killed against Seattle on only their fourth string running back. Pretty good. But Seattle's offense looked great against the 49ers defense that couldn't do much. Yeah, and you might say, oh, it's okay, just one loss, but nope. In that game, starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was injured. He will be out for at least a month, maybe multiple months. And all-pro tight end George Kill had a terrible foot injury on a very impressive catch. And he will most likely be out for the season or maybe until week 17. So basically the season. And they're still in running back debt with so many injured. Just their entire team is injured. And then they had to play the Packers on Thursday night. Extremely depleted. And you might say, ah, oh, it's okay. They probably came close. Nope, the Packers killed him. Devontae Adams had another monster game. Aaron Jones came back from injury. Had an okay game, but just Niners are terrible. Yeah, and again, last week, it was two a time. Starting for the Dolphins. First play of the game. Tua's got the ball. He drops back, and he's stripped. Sacked. The guy tackles him, and he fumbles. Well, that is a way to start your NFL career. But the Dolphins' defense for Tua Tangelaivoa kept on getting takeaways, sacks, turnovers, touchdowns. So Tua, he really didn't have to do that much. Tua did, though, throw one touchdown. 
So that is good for Tua with his first career touchdown. But he was really not that good. Also, Andrew, Jaguars starting quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who has not looked great this year. He may be benched. What do you think? Well, Vine, I've heard that he will not play this afternoon in today's game against the Texans. I've heard that it may be because of a small thumb injury, but I've heard that also because of his poor play, um, their head coach decided to put him back a quarterback, Jake Luton, who is a six-round quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's still better than Ben DiNucci from the Cowboys, but they've already replaced him. And in other crazy NFL news, the Titans played the Bengals. And you might say, oh my god, FanDuel's weirded out. Then probably it was a close game because the Titans are a lot better. But no, the Bengals actually won. And I don't mean on a game-winning field goal. I mean they took care of the Titans handily. It was not very close. Vine, the Titans lost last week. The Bills had a scare. Vine, are either of these teams in their respective divisions still in the hunt? Personally, are they in the hunt? Yes. Do they have a great chance? It looks like no. The problem for the Titans was they could not get after Joe Burrow. He was just sitting there in the pocket. One time, I believe he had, what was it, nine seconds to throw the ball? And you might say, oh, it's okay, it's okay if the Titans have great cornerbacks and safeties. But they don't. So, at the trade deadline, the Titans went out to get Chargers cornerback Desmond King. And also, the Saints really wanted to improve their pass rush, so they traded with the 49ers to get Quan Alexander, who's one of the best pass rushers, defensive players, in the NFL. There was really not that much around the trade deadline. Yeah, sadly, this trade deadline was a pretty big bust. Those were the only big trades. A couple of them, a couple other ones happened a week ago. Now, let's move on to some sadder COVID and injury news. Yes, the Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey has tested positive for their coronavirus, and a lot of people think he did know that he had tested positive last week, but still played. So that is not looking good for the NFL. Also, Green Bay um, third-string running back, A.J. Dillon, rookie out of Boston College, tested positive. So his other running back, Jamal Williams, did not play on Thursday night. Also, 49ers wide receiver Kendrick Bourne did not play, and they were already battling three wide receiver injuries, and he became the fourth player not to play with the coronavirus. And also another wide receiver could not play because he was in close contact. So the 49ers were on their sixth and seventh string wide receiver, so that was pretty much why they got killed. And also some also news, the Eagles played the Cowboys, and the Eagles absolutely dominated on Monday night. And you might think, fine, now the Cowboys have backup, Andy Dalton back, but no, he has the coronavirus. So now, and they say, well, fine, just go back to Beninucci, but they say he's two bats. They're either going to Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush. Either way, they're going to rush to lose. Yeah, definitely not looking good for the best of the Cowboys season. Just crazy news in the NFL. We really hope that all the guys that are out come back very soon, and that all the people with COVID return very soon. Now, let's get to the NBA. Vine, the NBA is starting on December 22nd. I am so excited for basketball, and I really hope that all the players say that they want to play. No player said they would not play so far. LeVon James said he will play on that day, but we'll still see what happens. Now, Vine, in some huge, huge trade talk news, some people know, James Harden might be on the trading block this year for the Houston Rockets. And the Philadelphia 76ers said they want to go after him very, very, very competitively. And another team that said they may not want to go after Harden, but another big star is Dallas Mavericks. Ryan, which one of these teams do you see more of an ideal fit for James Harden? Personally, I think it is the Dallas Mavericks. They have a great center, but he's not that great of a scorer. And James Harden and Luka Doncic 
could easily, easily make it to the championship and most likely win it. But what I want to highlight, Andrew, is in the NBA, we heard some news that the number one, that the team with the number one pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the team with the number two pick, Golden State Warriors, are both looking to trade the pick. Now, all those teams were going after three guys. Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, and Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. And both teams asked the Wizards, would you be interested? They said, no. And when they asked the Suns, would you be, would you be okay with giving us Devin Booker? They said, no. And when they asked the 76ers, would you be okay with giving us Ben Simmons? They said, yes. No, I'm just kidding. They also said no. That's crazy. Three teams. They all said no. And, Andrew, why do you think no one really wants a top two picks? Well, because, Ryan, what I've seen is that in this draft, there is a ton of uncertainty. If it was last year's draft with the exact same guys, don't everyone would want the number one pick into draft Zion Williamson. But with this year, no one really knows who's going to be number one. I've been reading about 10 mock drafts. Some of them have Anthony Edwards going number one. Some of them have him going number 13. Some of them having LaMelo going number two. Some of them having him going number nine. Just no one knows. And I also feel like this year's draft class is not strong at all, especially near the top and around top five through ten picks. I'd say a lot of teams should try to trade this year's pick for next year's pick. But, Ryan, with this, do you see any teams that may want the number two or number one pick in the draft? Well, personally, I think the New York Knicks might just want LaMelo Ball. And personally, don't get me wrong, I hate LaMelo Ball, his personality mostly, but also his playing. I seriously doubt he'll be any good of a player. But the Knicks, all they need is points. They have some height. They have a couple good assisters. And they have some decent defense. But they need points. And again, when you're one of the most when you're one of the biggest NBA franchises of all time and you play easily in the most iconic stadium, and your team is putting up like 80 points per game, no one's gonna come. But if you have Lamelo Ball, the guy from a different country, who's played in Europe, everyone loves him. His dad thinks he's the best player of all time. He thinks he's the best player of all time. Everyone thinks he's a big, big, big jerk. What will happen? I think that could really be good for the Knicks. Yeah, in my opinion, I think one team that definitely may want to try to trade up to that number one pick, I think it may be the Hawks. Don't get me wrong. I think they're building an amazing young core among around young player Trey Young and other stars such as DeAndre Hunter and Cam Lynch. But I feel like you may want to get a big guy such as James Wiseman. I feel like if you throw him in and to that amazing Hawks lineup, that would be amazing. Not really sure what they could trade. I'm pretty sure they want to sell John Collins who's on a one-year deal. Not sure if the Timberwolves want him, but the Warriors would love to have one of those stars even though he, his contract does expire at the end of next season. But the Warriors, like they may win a championship next season. Now, let's move on to the MLB. They have announced their awards for the season. Some of the most notable ones are the AL MVP race. It is between Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez, and DJ LeMahieu. Ryan, real fast, tell me who you think is going to win and why. Well, personally, I have to go with Jose Ramirez because this year he absolutely dominated in the in that Indians lineup. Most of that lineup is pretty much a snooze, but not Jose Ramirez. He was so dominant. Andrew, who do you think will win? Yeah, Ryan, I have to also go with Jose Ramirez. I feel like he was amazing. Jose Ramirez, I feel like just was hot for one week. DJ LeMahieu was good, but he missed about a week and a half of the season and pretty much just put up a good average. So, I think we both agree it will be Jose Ramirez. Now, with the NL MVP, it is between Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and 
Manny Machado. Yes, that's right. Not Fernando Tatis or Juan Soto. I'm surprised. Fine. I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to say, but who do you think is going to win? Yeah, it, it's definitely Monkey Bats. Yeah, I, just, I definitely agree. Yeah, he dominated this season. He was probably the best hitter in the MLB. He had, I, yeah. Hey, also, his glove was amazing. He easily should win a gold glove, which is for the best fielder. He, in the World Series. I mean, that does not count, but when you just look at it, for MVP, I mean, he dominated in the World Series. He probably made his team win the World Series, not by hitting, but by fielding. So that's why I think Mookie Betts is, should be the MVP. Yeah, I definitely think Mookie should be the NL MVP and the all-around MVP for the entire MLB. Now, let's get to Cy Young for the AL. Very surprising, besides the top guy, Shane Bieber is up for it. And I thought it definitely had to be Garrett Cole and Kent Maeda, or maybe Kent Maeda and Lance Lynn. But, no, it is Kent Maeda. Let's go, Twins. And Hinjin Ryu, who had an amazing start to the season last year, didn't finish out great, got signed by the Blue Jays this offseason. Everyone thought he definitely digressed, and I thought he did, but it turns out the MLB didn't think that fine. I'm pretty sure you're going to say Shane Bieber, but who do you think is going to win? Yeah, well, it's definitely Shane Bieber just because he dominated this season, but Kent Maeda poses a real threat. I mean, Shane Bieber, don't get me wrong, I did think he does deserve it. He is the best pitcher in the MLB right now, but... I mean, I think if Garrett Cole was in this, he would have given him a run for his money. But yeah, definitely Shane Bieber. Yeah, I also have to go with Shane Bieber. Just had an amazing season. Basically let no one on base. Had a couple great, great, perfect uh, games. I mean, didn't finish, but yeah. Now, in the NL Cy Young, it is Jacob DeGrom, Trevor Bauer, and you, Darvish. Ryan, I think we can both agree who's going to pick, but I'm actually not sure who you're going to say. I got to go with Jacob DeGrom. I mean, don't get me wrong, Trevor Bauer, who, in my opinion, is easily way ahead of you, Darvish, Trevor Bauer did fare well, but I feel like Jacob Grant was more dominant. Like, when hitters faced Trevor Bauer, don't get me wrong, they didn't like to face him, but I really think Jacob Grant, like, he was the best pitcher. He dominated. He was unstoppable. Yeah, in my opinion, I completely disagree with everything that Ryan said. Don't get me wrong, DeGrom and Bauer both had great seasons, but in my opinion, the Cy Young is the person who had the closest to no hitters, who had the most perfect innings before being blown up in a game. But I just feel like DeGrom, Bauer, they were just very high above average. Basically, they never blew up. That was great. And they basically never had a start where they gave up more than four runs. But with Darvish, in my opinion, he was a strikeout home run hitter, a pitcher, where sometimes he'd have amazing outings going into the eighth inning, throwing perfectly. But sometimes he'd give it three or four runs a game. In my opinion, that is what you want from the Cy Young. A guy who strikes out just about everyone in his path. And yeah, sometimes he'll give up a home run. Sometimes he'll give up six runs per start. But the majority of the time, he has a zero ERA after his start. Now let's get to the rookies of the year. Ryan and I both agree, extremely disagree, extremely with both of these. But we'll see. In the AL, it is between Luis Robert, Kyle Lewis, and Christian Javier? Did I read that right? Christian Javier? Starting pitcher for the Houston Astros? No, it has to be Kyle Tucker outfield for the Houston Astros. He had a much better season, but those are the guys we can choose from. Ryan, who do you choose? Well, we thought for sure that Kyle Tucker would be the guy, but now he didn't even be a finalist. But if it's not him, I think it's definitely 
Luis Robert. Don't get me wrong. It's decently close between him and Kyle Lewis. I kind of was thinking right there while saying it was obvious. And I wouldn't say it's obvious. But Luis Robert's raw power and incredible speed definitely, in my opinion, puts him above the rest. Yeah, I also feel like with Kyle Lewis, he did have a very good season. Probably better than Luis Robert. But just the name recognition is something that really, really looks at Cy Young in my in, uh, sorry, rookie of the year. And I think with rookie of the year, you have to look at the rookie that actually is compared to other players. Luis Robert, I feel like, was compared to a lot of other stars. Kyle Lewis, not really compared to that many other good players. So I have to go with Luis Robert in the NL. I more agree with these, but not 100%. They have Jake Cronworth, second baseman for the San Diego Padres. Devin Williams, relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. And third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies, Al Boom. Who didn't even start more than 20 games. Yeah, Ryan, who do you think is going to win this, if anyone? Yeah, well, personally, I am shocked by Al Boom is a finalist, and I would definitely say Dodgers pitcher Dustin May should be a finalist. He had a very good rookie season, but neither of those guys should win, in my opinion. Personally, I have to go with Devin Williams. Now, I'm sure you're saying, Ryan, I have never heard of that guy. In the Brewers' bullpen, their bullpen is okay, but it's only because of their closer, Josh Hader. And how can any relief pitcher dominate when they're not even the closer? But Devin Williams did dominate, not as a closer. In the average inning, he got 1.8 strikeouts. That was top 10 in the majors, and I believe top 5 among all relief pitchers. He was a strikeout master. His ERA was incredible. He dominated. I have to go with Devin Williams, relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Ryan, personally, I am not as big of a Devin Williams fan as you, and I did not watch basically any of his game because who watches the Brewers. But personally, I have to go with Jake Cronerth. He really turned it on. To end the season, don't get me wrong, didn't start day one for the Padres, but I just feel like still had an amazing season, had an amazing finish. So there you have it. Those are the awards for the MLB. Now, before we move on to some other great things around sports, Ryan, the Boston Red Sox fired their head coach and signed another one. Ryan, who is that man? Well, the Boston Red Sox decided to rehire. Alex Cora, and if you remember correctly, Alex Cora was the man who led the cheating scandal when they won the 2018 World Series. Now, that World Series was definitely tainted, and definitely there will always be that asterisk next next to it in the record book. And don't get me wrong, it is hard, but you want the same man who cheated thousands of people out of money, out of jobs, out of life. You're going to let him coach again? I don't like that, and I know Andrew doesn't either, but that's the Red Sox decision, and all we're doing here is to analyze it and give our opinions, and that is our opinion. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they never cheat again, and they never will, but I do think Al Cora is a great coach, even when not cheating. I do not like the signing. I don't think it's a great idea to bring him back, but he is a very talented coach, so I'll give him that. Now, let's get to college football. I would love... And say that this week was amazing for all of my favorite teams. And it kind of was in some very big games. Number five, I believe, Georgia got upset by Florida State. And you might say it was close, but no, it wasn't close. Florida had a great game on contrast, starting quarterbacks, four touchdowns after that's his third straight game with four touchdowns. Also, the biggest game in the country, number one, Clemson, playing number four, Notre Dame. At Notre Dame, Clemson doesn't have star quarterback Trevor Lawrence after he tested positive for the coronavirus, but was still on the sideline. Ryan, 
please tell me Clemson lost. Yes, and our prayers have been answered. Clemson lost behind a terrible performance from backup quarterback DJ Uyagalele. It's very fun to say, Uyagalele. He was okay, and their running game behind Travis and Etienne, ACC, that's their division, all-time leading rusher. He has the most yards of any person in that conference ever. Now, Dalvin Cook has the most yards per season, but Etienne has the most yards of all time, which is very impressive. But the Clemson offense, they just look sloppy. They could not get anything going, and that's why they lost in double overtime Notre Dame. They will most likely play each other later in the season, but as of now, Clemson was knocked off, and they were number one. Now they are not. Yeah, some other great teams in the country. Number one, now number number two team, go, number three team, sorry, I don't really know. Alabama had a great win this week, along with Ohio State, who also had a great win in the Big Ten, which is the Gophers in a minute. Iowa had a great win against Michigan State. Michigan got killed against Wisconsin. Ryan, now knowing some of the top news, Ryan, who are your top four? Yeah, I definitely want to get to this. And my number four team in the country has to be the Florida Gators, in my opinion. They killed. Georgia Bulldogs have the number one rated defense in the country. And Florida put up 44 points. And you might say, well, probably the game is going very fast. Both the teams were playing very fast. It was probably very high scoring. Nope. Florida went up 25 points to Georgia's 25. And you might say, wow. That is really impressive, but can you really move them up to number four? And I can, because Florida's number one wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, got injured in the beginning of the game and didn't play the entire thing, and he's one of the best players in the country. I have to go with Florida at number four. Now, number three, Ohio State University. Their offense looks so good yesterday. Justin Fields, quarterback for Ohio State. So far this season, in three games, he has 11 touchdowns. You might say, well, that's great, but do you know how many incompletions he has this season? 11! 11 touchdowns in 11 incompletions. That is top of college football. He is incredible. Ohio State's incredible. I got to get them at number three. Now, at number two, I have to go with the Clemson Tigers. Their offense was fairly good, but I definitely think they have some holes on offense and some big holes on defense. And number one, Alabama! Their offense has been dominating, and so is their defense. Andrew, Ryan, I just cannot understand how you cannot put Notre Dame inside the top four after knocking off the number one team in the country. Just, I do not understand it. But in my opinion, I have to go with number four, Notre Dame. I feel like they are one hell of a team. At number three, I have to go with Ohio State. Don't get me wrong, they are playing great, but they haven't really been playing any great teams. They knocked off Penn State last week, who might I add, also lost again this week, who I believe are now... 0-3. Just terrible. And number two, I have to go with Clemson. Don't get me wrong. This was a very, very hard loss. But hey, double overtime without your starting quarterback against the number three team, in my opinion. In the, against the number four team in the country, in my opinion. Nah, that's a hard loss. But, you know, just one. And number one, yeah, I do have to go with Alabama without their start wide receiver Jalen Warner for the rest of the season. I think they're going to win another national championship under Nick Saban. Now, Vine, let's get to the Vikings. Vine, I would love to say that we went into, that we played the Packers, and Dalvin Cook had four touchdowns, and our defense was amazing. And the rookie defensive end, DJ Wanham, had an amazing tackle on Aaron Rodgers to win the game. But sadly, that's exactly what happened. The Vikings killed the Packers. Dalvin Cook rushed for four touchdowns. 
and 200 yards. The Vikings beat the Packers. Just dismantle them. Vine, do you actually have hope in the Vikings? Not at all. Personally, I think that game was a big fluke because the Packers running back Aaron Jones was not there. Also, um, the game was very, very close. And we just kind of got lucky with some huge Dalvin Cook runs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're the worst team in the NFL. I'm not saying we're going to get a top five pick. I'm not saying we're going to get last in our division. But I don't think we are a playoff team. Don't get me wrong. This was a great sign of hope. And I do have a little bit more faith. And I do apologize last week for saying that the Packers would kill us. But the Vikings had a great strategy. They kept the game very low scoring. We know our defense is not good. We kept them off the field. Also, I just have to say that the Vikings were very lucky with the weather conditions. The weather conditions were very, very windy. And basically, I said, both teams, you must run the ball. The Packers said, wait, we're going to throw the ball the entire game to Devontae Adams. Give him 250 yards and three touchdowns. He still got three touchdowns, but not the 250 yards. The Packers were forced to run a lot with the backup running backs. And just the Vikings defensive line said, nope. Eric Hendricks said, nope. Eric Wilson said, nope, and the Vikings pulled out a victory. Ryan, before we talk about even more important Vikings news, the Vikings set some scouts to see Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields play in his great game, and he shined. But Ryan, do you think there's any chance we could be taking Fields in this year's draft? Is there a chance? Yes. But do I think it's the most likely scenario? No. Some teams ahead of us. The, the New York Jets, who are 0 and 8. And their schedule does not get easier. Also, the Washington football team and the New York Giants both have said they would love to get Justin Fields. And we might get behind them, but I don't think that's going to happen. But it definitely could. So I think this smart of the Vikings, but we'll see what ends up happening. Now, Andrew, for the Golden Gophers. This week, it was we were playing the Indiana, and it was going to be a close game. What happened? Well, Ryan, just... Before we quickly talk about that, the Vikings have a great game against the Lions this week, who I really thought they'd be with after signing quarterback, who tested positive for COVID midweek, but apparently he's tested negative six times now and is going definitely going to play today. But at least they're out. They are without their star wide receiver, Kenny Galladay, so that should definitely help the Vikings corners, even though they are extremely, extremely injured. But hopefully the Vikings can pull off the victory against the very weak Lions. Now on to the Gophers. Ryan, like the like the Vikings, I know hope. I thought our season was over against Illinois. But we pulled it out after back-to-back games with Mohamed Ibrahim, our running back. Four touchdowns. This game, four touchdowns last week. 200 yards this week. 200 yards last week. He is amazing, and he led us to victory again after our defense. Got a tiny bit better. Yeah, if you remember against Maryland, our offense put up 44 points. But our defense gave up 45. This week, again, our offense got 44 points. We had, in the Big Ten, top five most points of any team. And our defense came through, giving up only 25 points. So the Gophers took the victory. We're 1-2. and two. Things aren't looking great. This week, we play Iowa. It's going to be a good game. But hopefully, Gophers can pull it out. Do you think they can? Yeah, I definitely think that the Gophers have no chance against Iowa, even though some people think their offensive play car is not great. I do think they will still beat us handily. Sorry, Gophers. I don't really think you can do it. Now, Ryan, let's move on to the Timberwolves. 
as we said earlier, Timberwolves were trying to shop number one pick, but we had no takers. Also, in more annoying news, James Wiseman, star Memphis center, said he does not want to play for the Timberwolves. He said there was no way he thinks he could start at power forward, and he said there's no chance they would start him over Cat. So he said he does not want to come to Minnesota. So now we're probably down to Obi Toppin, Melo Ball, and Anthony Edwards. If we can't find any trade suitors, which it looks like no one wants. Fine. <sighs> Has your decision changed about anyone besides James Wiseman? Because it looks like you're going to have to find someone else, Dark. Personally, I got to go with Anthony Edwards now. I mean, don't get me wrong. We need a tall guy. He is not very tall. We already have D'Angelo Russell starting at point guard. Malik Beasley starting at shooting guard. And Jared Culver or Josh Okogie, whoever you think is less bad, starting at small forward. And I don't think any of those people can really play small forward or power forward consistently. And also, Cat last season fouled out of about one-third of games. And we lost almost all of them. It's not his fault, though. He can't match up to taller centers, which is why I definitely think we need a center or power forward. But Obi Toppin was literally the only good power forward or center, and he's like, I don't know, he's like 6'6". That's not a power forward. It's definitely not a center. We can find guys off the streets that are taller than that. And Obi Toppin is only good on offense. We need a tall defender, and there are none of them. Yeah, definitely wouldn't be hard to see the draft. But, hey, it's coming up. And then the very next day is when the free agents can sign. That is going to be an, an amazing day for the NBA. Still over a week away, so we'll definitely talk about it more next week. But, hey, right now, I just really, really want to take Anthony Edwards and not LaMelo Ball. Or I'd also love to pick away to get a win now player. Now, let's get to the Minnesota Twins. As we said before. Kent Maida is in the running for the AL Cy Young Award. We would love for him to win it, but both don't really think he has a chance. And also, Nelson Cruz, our amazing DH in this season. He won a Silver Slugger for DH. Not a very big surprise. I believe he's won it for the last three years. The only other guy in contention was Chris Davis, who did not have a good season. Cruz is a free agent this year. The Twins are in contract talks with him. Ryan, do you think this is a must-sign? Think this is we should, or you think no chance we should? I think this is a must side. We need our offense to come together, and he was really our only consistent player. Don't get me wrong, Rosario could be good, but he could also not be good. We need guys that will be good. Now, there's not that much news about the Twins. Some rumors have been swirling about on free agents, but we'll definitely let you know next week if we hear anything. Now, Andrew, let us move on to a great story about a very great man who started with nothing. His name is Javon Kinlaw. Yep. Javon Kinlaw. He was born October 3rd, 1997 in Washington, D.C. His family was incredibly poor and living on the streets. Sometimes they were able to live in a tiny crowded basement with his mother and brother. They had no water, no electricity. They took showers using a neighbor's garden hose. Kinlaw wore the same clothes every day and was always picked on at school for not having the fresh new shoes or the clean clothes or not having a home. Javon tried to work hard in school, but it was very difficult for him to get any work done, and he started failing school at a pretty young age. His mother and father had broken up earlier in his life, and at around 5th grade, Javon moved to live with his father in South Carolina for a, mo for a more stable environment. Things got a little better for Javon. He started growing more, and he started getting really big. Don't worry, no drugs or anything, just getting really big. At 15, he grew to be six foot five and 260 pounds. He had never had the money for sports, 
But one day, when his father took him to the Department of Motor Vehicles to start for doing something with a car or driving, not really sure, doesn't really matter, um, one of the attendants there said, whoa, how good is Javon at football? And Javon was shocked to hear that. And his father had said he never played football in his life. Javon immediately joined the team. And he had a lot of raw talent. He had never watched or played the game and barely even knew any of the rules. Besides, there's the ball, there's offense, and there's defense. Normally, that person would never, ever play football, but not Javon. Again, at 260 pounds, six foot five in high school. He had so much talent that the team worked tirelessly with Javon to teach him the rules, how to tackle, how to be a menace on a football field. And he became incredible. He dominated in high school, much to the pleasure of the school. The school felt great that they had taken a boy who had nothing and gave him a family and gave him purpose. Javon loved having friends and being Mr. Popular and the big man on campus and having people who really actually cared for him. But his grades still were not good. And even though some of the top colleges in the country wanted him, they couldn't get him because he had to go to junior college first to up his grades before he could go to a full four-year college. He improved his grades exponentially and was accepted to his dream school of South Carolina University. Once in college, Javon continued to dominate on the field, but he really stepped it up off the field. His grades improved a lot, and before his last year of college, he had a baby. It was a girl who he loved more than anything in the world. He loved her so incredibly much. He would rush home from every single class. He would not go to parties. He would not hang out with friends. He would not get drunk anymore. He would not just, like, goof around. He would rush home from classes, take care of his daughter, study, do everything he could to make her life great, even though he didn't have a home for her. He didn't really was able to get her into school at a very young age. Well, she was only one. But she was just very, very, very young, like, just been born. But Javon loved her more than anything. And after he finished college, which his daughter is one year young, Javon had a lot of NFL prospect, and a lot of teams really wanted to get Javon. And he was drafted with the number 14 overall pick in this year's draft, the 2020 NFL draft, to the San Francisco 49ers. And, the man, and immediately, they were all business. Javon, we're happy to have you here, but you weigh 350 pounds. You need to slim down. And Javon, in college, yes, he had given up a lot of things, but he could never give up eating. He loved eating full cheap pizzas for lunch or an entire pizza for dinner. And he loved food. Everyone loves food, but when you're in the NFL, you got to make some sacrifices to get good and make that money. And Javon Kinla worked hard and slimmed down to 324 pounds. And he really gave up and he really had a very healthy diet. Also, now in the NFL, he was more focused on football, not having to worry about classes and grades or who would watch his daughter during classes. He was easily able to pay for a babysitter. When asked um, what he wants for his daughter, he has said, quote, everything he does is for her. Every snap, every hit, every paycheck for her. He knows that his life has been very hard growing up and he wants to give his daughter a much better childhood and life than he had. He said, quote, I'm not focused on getting money getting cars, and trying to get girls, he said. I just want my kids to be great. I want them to be like kings and queens. 
in his rookie season this year, he has been solid with many tackles and a few sacks on a good defense. His best quote, in my opinion, is last year at South Carolina when he said, I've just been working hard to prove myself and make myself better. Javon Kinlaw came from absolutely nothing and has risen to so much. Javon, keep on doing what you're doing. He's a great person, and he keeps on wearing hard. Now, here's Andrew with the birthday of the day. John Carlo Stanton. We have on. A lot of people may know John Carlo Stanton as the guy who just never stops hitting home runs. But he will stop hitting home runs because he gets injured a ton. Stanton came up with the Miami Marlins where he was known for hitting the fish, which was a cardboard fish that was in the stands where he hit a ton of home runs. Stan was one of the top players. But after the Marlins GM, Derek Jeter, started dealing some of the top players. And as some of you know, Derek Jeter played for the New York Yankees. Everyone said, is he trying to help them? He immediately traded Stan to the Yankees for basically nothing. And that was around Christmas. And a lot of people said that was an amazing present. For the Yankees. They won the top hitters in the league for basically nothing. But you shouldn't say, oh my god, thank you Yankees GM. You are the best. You got a, such a good player. You should say, thank you Derek Jeter for completely throwing your team away. For throwing your coaching career away by giving it back to your team, the Yankees. So just remember, if you ever play a sport and then become the GM of another team, always Trade your best player to your old team. Jeter is one of the only MLB players in history who's had a who's had a career that spanned over two decades and never left his team. He must be very loyal to the New York Yankees, even loyal enough to trade John Carlo Stanton. For my ad, is one of the best players. Had an amazing start to the season, but then got injured. Can never really stay off the injured list. And you might say, "Oh my God, Andrew, is it just like he keeps on getting like?" Is like leg broken or finger broken or something like that. Nope, John Carlos Stan has basically had any injury that you could ever imagine. Happy birthday and please for once, stay healthy. Now, let's predict some games. Ryan, there are some great games coming up. The Seahawks play the Bills today. Both teams looking great this season. The Bills probably need this one to stay in contention. The Seahawks could probably afford to drop one, but maybe not in that hard NFC West. Ryan, who you got? Personally, I have to go with the C- Seattle Seahawks. Really? Yes, you can. Their defense is easily beatable. You can easily beat their defense, but their offense is better than pretty much, in my opinion, every offense in the NFL besides the Chiefs and maybe the Buccaneers. But the Seahawks are one of the top offenses in the Bills. All they do is lean on their defense because their offense has not been good this year. Their quarterback play has not been great. Their running game has been terrible. And their wide receivers have been okay. So personally, I've got to go with the Seahawks, but I would not be shocked if the Bills end up winning. I completely agree. I definitely think the Seahawks are going to win this behind an amazing performance by Russell Wilson and his top target, Tyler Lockett. Now, Ryan, in an amazing game for college football, Wisconsin plays Michigan. Now, I must say, Michigan has been incredibly disappointing this year, but Wisconsin has been great. I definitely have to give this game to Wisconsin, not even going to be close. And, Ryan, another game in the NFL that I just have to talk about with Ryan real fast before we end. 
the Saints play the Buccaneers. A rematch of week one where Michael Thomas had a high ankle sprain. He is back. He is going to play. And he is not the only new face in that game. There is Antonio Brown, who used to be on the Steelers, then got signed by the Raiders, then didn't even play a game, then got signed by the Patriots, played one game, had an okay game, and then got some allegations, got arrested a couple times, and now is on the Buccaneers. Ryan, do you think he can make it with Tom Brady, or do you think he'll be dropped within the minute? I do not think he'll be tra- dropped soon, but I definitely think he would not have an incredible game. Their coach hates him, and the only reason why he's on the team is because Tom Brady loves Antonio Brown in begged them to get Antonio Brown, even though the coach said, Brady had nothing to do with it. Yet, just two weeks before, when asked if he would get them, the coach said, he is the worst person alive. You'd have to kill me before we get him. I love the guy. Yep, definitely true. And personally, this game will be incredibly close, but I have to go with the Buccaneers. The Saints' offense has not been great, and their defense has been okay. Yeah, I definitely have to go with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, this is your time. Now, that is the end of our episode. But we're making another one in just one short week where we'll have tons of news for you. Yeah, and it will be amazing. I'll be talking about Ron Reed. He is one of the only players in sports history who's played in two different sports and been very good in both. You don't want to miss it and don't miss it. Again, Daphne, listen to the next episode next week of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. MN.